Tanks are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. the irredeemable shag from firestorm fan along with me as always is the irrevocable rob from the aquaman shrine how you doing buddy you son of a bitch oh no (laughs) two shows ago you apologized for cheating on me in terms of being involved with podcasts with other people and so what do you do what do you follow with you do an entire episode of the fire and water podcast without me so you that? you're what? cheating on me in our own metaphorical bed. You you weren't even supposed to notice that. I mean, he was. Pretending I'm the one who Rob... uploaded it. I was pretending he was Rob Kelly and everything. I yes, thought you'd be like, I, Gosh, I just don't remember recording this. No, I know that. No, you beat that joke to death. Uh, you just <laughs> went over and over and over. It long past the point where it was funny. So, what's it like uh, working for Family Guy? Is the, do you send the scripts in remotely, or do you go to the offices? I don't know. What's that about? It's more of a, it's more of a Letterman style. Oh, okay. Where you just you beat a joke until it starts funny, it's not funny, and then it gets, becomes funny again. Yeah, you beat I, it so I, long. Yeah, I'm going to argue with your premise there, but okay. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm good. <laughs> not as good as you, apparently. I am still completely um, wasted is the word, but that implies I'm blitzed. You know, I'm not drunk. I'm just, my body, I'm wrecked. There Hook we go. Hookup con. What's that? Hookup con. Right. God. Dragon Con is getting that reputation as being like Hookup Con or Sex Con. I was talking to a guy from um, – who goes to a bunch of conventions. And I said, you know, our perception, Dragon Con people perception is that Dragon Con is the cosplaying convention. You know, I said, is that is that accurate or are we just, you know, full of ourselves? He's like, oh, no, it definitely is. It's definitely the cosplay convention. And then he just has a tack guy and goes, oh, and the sex convention. I was like, oh, God. As cool as that is, <laughs> that's not the rep I think we're looking for. Fetish Con in Tampa can have that, you know? <laughs> that's a real thing, right? I'm assuming. Fetish I'm not con, kidding. Con? Yeah, okay. George Perez has been there. So Okay. Um, that's amazing. I would imagine Tampa would not be a great place. Oh, wait, Fetish Con. Didn't they have that? Isn't that the thing Clunice? What was that? I don't know. Okay. But uh, Tampa is, uh, if anything, it's Sin City of the South, my friend. So <laughs> um, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Dragon Con. Yeah, because, I think we've covered it sufficiently. Thank you. Yeah, we did. Me and Rob Kelly on that last show. Um, <laughs> I will just add a couple things that, that occurred after that recording, at least I think, because I was pretty wrecked when I made that recording. Too. <laughs> Several things that occurred. Arrests. Uh... Right. <laughs> no, none, none of that this time. Um, but I did um, – I, I got to tell you, man, there is so much Aquaman cosplay going on there. Woo! It's, it's insane. What's well, not Absolute. insane? It's, a, it's one of the top-selling books of the New 52. Makes, it makes sense. I, it does. It does. But it was just like every time I turned around, I'd be like, oh, look, there's another Aqualad. You know, my buddy's like, hey, you want to get that guy's picture? I'm like, I've already taken like four Aqualads. I just <laughs> – I don't, I don't have the wherewithal right now. I'm so tired, you know. <laughs> and the only Firestorm cosplay was that uh, Box Hero Firestorm. Right. Yeah, which is, which is just so cool. 
I love that, that, the, that is amazing. So that, that picture of the box Aquaman and box Firestorm, I, I think, you know, it shames us. They can get along, so we should be able to get along. <laughs> you know, in hindsight, I really – I'm kicking myself for not asking them to be, like, punching each other. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself for that. They probably break – those things would probably break off if they, like, move around too much. They That's look true. very fragile. They are very fragile. Um, Alan Han- Hansard, I think is how you say it, is the gentleman who heads up this uh, superhero costuming forum. Which is responsible for a lot of the organization of the cosplay you see at Dragon Con. Um, the Superhero Costume Foreman is sort of like a, I don't know, a clearinghouse where people come through and they chat and they make schedules and say, hey, let's all be here at the same time. And he heads that up. Well, he was the one in the Firestorm costume. And, um, you know, like right as they're getting ready to leave, I'm like, hey, Alan, can I get Aquaman and Firestorm together? And the Aquaman guy's kind of like, huh? <laughs> and, and, he just, and Alan just pauses. He looks, oh, of course. <laughs> so he came down. To, that was nice of him to do that. They look so uncomfortable in those suits. You got to admire the determination to wear those things around because they do—they do not look fun. They're hot. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They look just boxy and uncomfortable. Just everything. Well, the, the box on the head. Yeah. I mean, they might as well line those things with tinfoil and cook them, cook <laughs> themselves. Uh, now, since since we recorded that last podcast, uh, I did get. Uh, that was Sunday, I believe. I don't know whether I'd been to the Marvel photo shoot or not. I won't talk long about it, but went to the Marvel Comics photo shoot. We had, had even more cosplayers than the DC photo shoot. Uh, I worked with the folks who did the Guardian of the Galaxy cosplaying. I did like a little mini subgroup directing them kind of on stuff, which was really cool. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is just awesome. Um, and then, so o- overall, throughout the course of the, the time at Dragon Con, I was witness to uh, one wedding proposal. And two marriages. I kid you not. <laughs> one marriage I'm pretty sure wasn't legal, uh, but the other one was. <laughs> so, just wild. Not something you expect to be do at a convention. Uh, I took over, I took, between me and my buddy Ravenface, we took, because uh, he told me to upload his pictures with mine. So the two combined is there's about 700 pictures that were worth, were worth saving. Um, 500 are mine, 200 are his. Now keep in mind, a lot of that is like, 60 photos of just the Marvel photo shoot or 60 photos of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of it's just more of the same. But we did this one thing. The last thing that's probably worth mentioning was, um, well, i got to mention George Perez. I did see George Perez. I got to go up, meet him. Normally the line in the comics alley for George Perez was, like, around the building. It was just crazy because he's doing sketches. And then I went there Monday morning, you know, and everyone's just, like, I guess you have a con hangover at that point pretty much. And um, I, I walk, there's a guy getting a sketch, and I walk up. I'm like, where's the line? Because a lot of times they'll they'll station the line somewhere else, and they'll just send people over. I'm like, where's the line? He's like, you're it, dude. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Hmm. So I got George to sign – or I got him to sign a, a, com, a JLA comic for me uh, with Firestorm on it, and I got him to draw me a sketch of Killer Frost. Now, did he need reference for that? Oh, no. Oh, no. Really? He, he knew it? Wow. That's pretty Oh, yeah. He, he, he nailed it. He was drawing um, – he was doing these full – in previous years, he did quick sketches. You know, just a quick, real quick head sketch. This year he was doing more full-on, robust sketches. Nice. Uh, I mean, they cost a little more, but who cares? I mean, it's George freaking Perez. So he, um, you know, I started thinking, like, all right, if he's going to do a full-on sketch for me, i got to go complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be a complex-looking character. You know, I don't want it to be like a, you know, draw me, uh, I don't know, the spirit. It's a face, a mask, and a hat. Done. You know, I was like, it's got to be something. And I'm like, ooh, Killer Frost has got all kinds of intricate little details. So he did that, and he did a great job. It was awesome. So very pleased. When are we so going to get to see that? It will appear on Firestorm Fan. Um, it by the time you guys hear this, it may have already appeared. I'm not really sure. Um, I gotta, I gotta unpack. I got so much to do. Oh, oh. listen to you. Oh my god, dude. Oh, I went to a party for four days, and now I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I wasn't at work, and I had to do nothing. I just ran around and. Read comics and looked at girls in mirror costumes for four days, and now I'm sleepy. I need a break. You know, I I was gonna argue with you, but you're absolutely right. Okay, <laughs> exhausted. I stared at more inappropriately dressed women than I could fathom, and um, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna hashtag this one humble brag. This is ridiculous. Humble brag. Wow, look at that. So the last thing I did was, or last thing worth mentioning, I said I was gonna mention. Now I am. Um. <laughs> Sunday night. I haven't broken my last thing rule here. I'm being very careful. Oh, you will. And Sunday night, um, I went to. We'd been up all like 
having fun all night. And at four in the morning, me and my buddy were like, we're like petulant children. We're like, I don't want to go to bed. When I go to bed, the convention ends. I don't want to go to bed. We just, we, just, we just kept walking around regardless of how tired we were. And then we found a dance at four in the morning, that like a rave opened. Basically. A dance. <laughs> it's like your old timey rave. Well, I mean, no, it's like a rave. Now, I haven't been to a rave in... God, 15 years. I don't know if this is what a rave still looks like. It looks like what a rave used to look like to me. You know, it's a bunch of people who, you know, a bunch of white people don't know how to dance, hopping up and down, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and there'd be little clusters. People do some break dance moves. Pretty cool. So if you've ever been to a club, you is know. Is that why you like vibes so much? The step off vibe. I will end you, pal. He's JLA material now. Yeah. Um, and he is. <laughs> For those of you not reading the news, vibes in the JLA. So y'all can suck it. Anyway, so, um, you know, there's groups breaking out into break dancing. There's lots of, you know, if, if you ever go to like a club, people like to use the glow in the dark or the, or like, remember those little light sticks you'd have when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, sure. They, they, have, they have light sticks they're partying with because they look cool moving around in the dark. Well, you combine a rave, you combine glow in the dark, you combine it with Dragon Con, and what do you think you get? That's right, people spinning lightsabers around. <laughs> So you get people doing these amazing moves with lightsabers, you know, in the dark. It's really cool. Anyway, and there was uh, on stage, there was this really attractive uh, girl who you got to make your own judgment on whether she's an Aquaman cosplay or not. She's wearing a green, she's definitely a mermaid of sorts. You know, maybe it's just a mermaid. Maybe it's an Aquaman thing. But, you know, it's a scantily clad girl. So I think it's fair to go on the Aquaman shrine. Just my opinion. I'll send it to you. Okay. (laughs) Um. But I've, I've, you know, I've, in my real job, uh, I am responsible for doing a lot of big meetings and stuff. And I've been in a lot of hotel ballrooms. I have never been in a ballroom before where the floor was bouncing. Cool. Like, it was scary. I kept thinking, we're going to go through the floor. <laughs> anyway, so that's Dragon Con. Uh, had a great time. Absolutely. Apparently, yes. And I'm completely wrecked. And I'm <laughs> my, my website's behind. I'm tired. Oh, Poor baby oh, me. All these, all this money in my wallet makes it hard for me to close it. Oh. Tell you what, I'm, no, no, it's actually it's completely empty now. That's the problem. I mean, you don't want to even. I don't. I don't even want to know how much I spent. I just kept going to the ATM. I'm like, oh god, what have I done to myself? <laughs> these, kids anyway. will get, these kids will get scholarships. Right. <laughs> I really hope so. It's time um, to teach you to self-reliance. Exactly. Um, as George Lucas said, my, my, my mom always told me to follow my dreams that my dad prepared me in case that didn't work out. <laughs> George Lucas so has my, since, uh, George Lucas has since taken that rave and re-edited it. So it fits more with the greater it continuity. It is. Yes, it does. That rave is more in line with continuity now. <laughs> well, um, tell you what, I'm going to take my con hangover. I'm going to go curl up in a corner with a pillow and a blanket and take a, uh, podcast auditory nap will you talk to us about aquaman number 12 i will this will be great since i was shut out of last week's show this will be wonderful uh aquaman Aquaman number 12 of course came out last week or two weeks ago i guess by the time you're hearing this uh it's by jeff johns and and the law firm of reese prado and reese um also with ink assists by eau claire albert andy lanning letterer nick napolitano uh, and edited by Sean Makowitz and Pat McCallum, and of course, Aquaman, created by Paul Norris and uncredited Mort Weinzinger. Um, Bing! Bing. <laughs> this is The Others Part 6. Uh, depending on what cover you got, you may have gotten the one by Reese Prado and Reese, which features uh, Manta facing off against Aquaman in a scene that does not take place in the book. Uh, or you got the, uh, I like those covers. Or you got the robot chicken cover. Maybe you got the robot chicken uh, special alternate cover, which is uh, burning up eBay. Um, oh, seriously? How much is it going for? Oh, like 40 bucks or something like that. God, that's yeah, sick. It's, rid- it's ridiculous. Because, like, in like two weeks, when no one wants it anymore, it won't be worth anything. So, it's, I now, find that. I'll say this. In my con hangover, I have not been able to get to the comic book store. Okay. So, I bought my first digital comic through Comixology today for this. I bought Aquaman number 12. And you actually get both covers. Oh, sweet. Okay, excellent. Um, anyway, this is Jobin's. Uh, Mira is looking through the wreckage of Shin's house. She's, his phone answers, and it's uh, the operative. Uh, and, uh, luckily, the the others have like a good phone plan. So they uh, they say ask her to meet them at Mantis <laughs> Island, and he, she says, "Can you get there fast?" And she says, "I can get." She says, "I'm faster than Aquaman, actually," which is sort of amazing. Um, 
she shoots out of the water, ends up on the operatives, which in a great shot, just shoots straight up out of the water and shoots into the sky and lands on the operatives plane where she has it out with the others a little bit. And they sort of, uh, clue each other in. There's a great moment with her and Yawara where they, <laughs> they have competing sort of ideologies on, on how Aquaman acts. And they both say at the same time, he's not acting like himself, which is a great little awkward moment that these two women both claim to have ownership of, of Aquaman. Um, we find, uh, we end up in the island where Manta has found the uh, scepter of the Lost King of Atlantis. He's about to kill Shin. And Aquaman stops uh, the murder of Shin by uh, murdering someone himself. He throws a trident right through the chest of one of Manta's goons. Um, I'm not sure about that. I don't know Aquaman's whole thing a couple issues ago, admonishing Yawara about not killing people necessarily. So I don't know what you'd call that, but okay. Um, him and Manta have it out. There's a point where he rescues Shin um, from this falling rock. Man is about to bring his scepter down on Aquaman's head when he is stopped by the others and Mira who show up. Um, uh, then there's a, you know, there's a big melee, there's a giant fight. Um, Aquaman keeps telling them all to basically leave him alone and like you know that he can handle this. Um, Mira is a little upset with him and they talk about briefly that there's some more hidden stuff that... Mira doesn't know about Aquaman, so that that done. Um, Shin is about to get eaten by Yuara's leopard pal. Vostok gets in the way of that. And basically says, you know, I can sense that uh, Shin is really sorry for what he's done, so he doesn't deserve to be killed. Uh, Manta disappears for a moment. When Aquaman turns his back, Manta appears out of the darkness, brings his scepter down right on Aquaman's. Or, He's about to bring it down on Aquaman's back when Vostok again jumps in the way, takes the brunt of the blow, and slowly dies. Uh, he, as Minta escapes, Vostok lays there and, uh, I guess, bleeds to death or something. I don't exactly know what he dies from other than the wound. Um, Aquaman is very upset. Vostok, though, is, is sort of uh, okay with it. He says he, there's no need to be sorry. My greatest fear has been vanquished and my greatest hope granted and that he, was, uh, he doesn't die alone. And he dies in a full-page shot featuring all of the others in Aquaman and Mira. A really beautiful page by uh, Reese Prado and Reese. Um, everyone is sort of silent as they look at the corpse of Vostok. And the issue ends with Aquaman saying, Black Manta dies now. And it says, next month, Arthur heads off to find Atlantis in Aquaman number zero. And in two months from now, his, the epic conclusion to the others in Aquaman number 13. So that is Aquaman number 12. Um... I, uh, sort of working backwards, art-wise, I don't have anything left to say about these guys. I just don't. <laughs> I have no, <laughs> no other compliments to issue them. Uh, I think, I, I told them directly on Facebook that, that I flat-out consider them now in the tier of the great Aquaman artists. You know, like, to me, their influence, their run on it, I mean, they've been doing this book for a year straight now. Um, they'll be on it for, at the very least, a little while longer. These guys are on, on par with Frayden and Cardi and Aparo, and I don't throw out those names lightly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think they're up there at this point with just what they're delivering every month um, to this to these characters and to this book. Um, Story-wise, you know, it continues where we're going. I, I'm kind of sad to see Vostok go. Um, I feel like we're just really? getting, we're just getting to know these guys, and then you're killing them off. I mean, you know, the, 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 we introduced the others, and two of them are already dead by now. But you know, okay, you can live with that. Um, when you're sad to see him go, though, I mean, was there, is it just you're sad you didn't get to know him better? Or there was there an emotional response of going, oh, Vostok, I really like that character? No, not so much. I, I, you know, I really didn't get to know the guy. I'm, I'm sad that he was killed off so quickly. I mean, I just feel like there was a lot of potential. I kept, felt that way about um, Darth Maul, to bring it back to, you know, Lucas and Star Wars. Like, <laughs> what? We're, what is we're that? What was that? Pining, was that? pining away for episode one? I'm not pining. I'm just saying that character was cool that they introduced him, and then they kill him off so abruptly. You're like, I'm, oh, okay. So I just felt like, you know, you really didn't get to see much of Vostok. I mean, this, the sacrifice he makes for Arthur is great, but it's it's hinting at stuff that we haven't seen, the, the, this yeah. dynamic that we just don't know. I mean, these guys are so loyal to Aquaman, even though he treats them like crap. We have to just sort of assume and trust that this bond is there. We haven't really seen it all that much. So I just would have liked to have seen more of these guys before Jeff Johns kills a bunch of them off. Um, but the reason I ask is just like, cause when I got to that page, it was just like, Oh, like I, I, I actually was 
unhappy with his deaths mm-hmm. for a different reason. More like, oh, this is the page where we're supposed – now, all right, let me step back. I really enjoy the issue. Let's make that absolutely clear. So any negativity I have here is just con hangover and – you know, nitpicking. It's so. funny. I'm pretty sure you said not that long ago you were going to be quiet, and now we're just going on. You've done your review. It's the chatty time. It's the chatty, chatty or time. This is how this okay. works. Have you ever listened to an episode of the show? Yes. yes okay. Um, this is where we bitch and argue and disagree. So, like, when Vostok's death happened, to me it was like, oh, here's the, you know, the, the checklist of things you have to do in a comic is someone has to sacrifice themselves and to, to evoke an emotional response. Yeah, Check. Yeah. But, like... There was no emotional response because we don't know Vostog at all. Right. I mean, if we'd lost your Yawera, whatever. I mean, we've followed her now for six issues. That would have right. been. We've a, gotten to know her more, and even we've gotten right. to know Prisoner of War a little more. Even. Prisoner of War and the Operative. We've gotten to know all them more. I would be genuinely ticked off if they killed off Prisoner of War because I mean that would have just meant there's a few more months till his monthly book starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so having. Her, Vostok died. It was just sort of like the obvious, like, yeah, okay, he's the one left. Go for it. Right. Um, and then, uh, well, I had other comments about the, the yattering you had done earlier. Um, clearly, the others have a friends and family plan on the phone. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just obvious. But that water jump that Mara did, mm-hmm. um, I'm just curious because it's amazing. It's awesome. Just curious. Do you think that is her swimming like her pure strength that does that? Or do you think she's being propelled by her water power? I think a little bit of both. I think it's, yeah. I think it's, okay. she, she's using the f- force of the water and also her strength. So I think it's both those things. Because that is really cool. Yeah. Oh, it's um, great. It's a great sequence. They really, she, Jeff John single-handedly turned her from a, like, C-list character to almost A-list character. Oh, yeah. That is almost entirely his doing. I would agree with that. Well, in the art. I mean, no, they are too, but I mean, his his idea for plucking her and making her, sure. giving her that much, I mean, she really was one of the main characters in Blackest Night. I, mean, so well, I was going to say, though, without without that art team in Blackest Night, though, and then the art team yeah. in Brightest Day, and then the art team here, it, it's amazing how much art can propel an already good story even further. Yeah. Oh, the, the so. splash page here of Mira by these guys is just tremendous. It's just, if yeah. you're a Mira fan, you're like, that's the page I want. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are just, I said, I, I don't want to slight them because I just feel like I have nothing left to say about them. I'm just, I, I'm just sort of stunned at the level of artistry these guys bring to it consistently month in, month out. And that they, as yeah, well, I'll wax their car again. I mean, they're, they're great at the, the, the character details, the, the, the small beats, and then they're great at the action beats. And that's what you want out of, of a great comic book artist. You know, there's some comic book artists that can't do characters to save their lives. They can only do punching. And conversely, there are some that are, you know, you wouldn't necessarily, you know, hand, uh, you know, Chris Ware over to uh, to draw Batman or something. You know, you I mean, these guys are just great at both those things, and that's uh, that's that's remarkable. And they are really, like, more than the sum of their parts. Like, when their stuff is all together, it is just greater than what each of them brings to it. And it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing team these guys have created on the on this book. And I'm glad it's on Aquaman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it before. I, they're they're the best art team that DC's got right now. Yep, hands down. Uh, everyone else, you know, no, no slight to everyone else. It's just these guys are that much, you know, head and shoulder above everyone else. Yep. So, gosh, so nice, so beautiful. Um, in regard to Aquaman killing that guy, mm-hmm. it I, that also struck me as odd. Uh, it's almost like they had to add his word balloon, like Black Manus says, "Kill him." And you know, and the, and the little soldier guy says, "With pleasure." It's like right. I almost feel like they added that word balloon after they drew it, like going, "You know, we need a little more rationale for him killing this guy <laughs> instead of like just knocking the gun out of his arm." Yeah, I wasn't thrilled with that. I, I don't, you know, I just don't like heroes that kill for the most part, and you know, it, it happens. But the, you know, you didn't. Yeah, you could have hit him several different ways and incapacitated him without murdering him but you know uh, that's this aquaman and you know they just i just have to accept it well and this aquaman's on a very personal journey right now right you know this isn't just stopping bad guy of the month this is there's right. there's, there's sure. very deep personal things going on here that we still don't know yet i guess right. we won't find out till next issue um right but he also this is the same aquaman who a couple of months ago told you are not to kill anybody unnecessarily 
True. So, yeah. like, why do you have that moment and then you have this moment? It's just, and it, you know, I guess that's you'd say Aquaman's inconsistent. That's that's fine. That's not you know, like, there are, there are people who are inconsistent, and he's inconsistent. Well, I come back to it's, it's the personal moment because now he's. I mean, that was that Yawara thing was like out in the jungle, you know, and they're they're going after Black Man, and now they're they're here at the tomb of the King of Atlantis. He knows something clearly he's not telling us. Mm, right. um, and it's the secrets he doesn't want shared, so it's suddenly become very, very personal. I mean, I, I don't, have you seen the, 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 the four-page preview for issue zero um, that's been released where we find out that he's actually an immortal from the planet Zeist? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had me there for a little bit, and then, <laughs> then, then we fell off the table, as it were. So, okay. A little Highlander 2 reference for those of you not in the know. But anyway. Can I say a little, a little side to Highlander? I saw that movie in the theater, Highlander 2, yeah. The Quickening. I saw it with yeah. a bunch of guys from Cubert. And I have never been that big a fan of the original Highlander. I don't have anything, oh, really? I don't have anything against it. I just don't think it's, you know, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. So I went into it with, these, with, with the other guys who loved Highlander. Like, these guys were total Highlander fans. So when they get to that point about the Zeist thing, mm-hmm. all the guys around me were like, what? And I just was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it didn't seem any less ridiculous than anything else I had seen. But oh, around me, the six guys were so totally offended. I never forgot that. They were just totally horrified. <laughs> you ever seen Bad News Bears? Yes. Okay, there's a called, character called Tanner. And uh, there's a scene where he's got a black eye. And they're like, what happened to him? And they say, he got in a fight. They say, with who? The sixth grade. <laughs> anyway, because of that, we have a friend we call Tanner in college. He's, he's that kind of guy. I mean, he just would, he'd love to get in bar fights and all this stuff. So we go to see Highlander 2. We're in the theater. They do that bit. I'm Connor McLeod of, of, the, of Clan McLeod from the planet Zeist or whatever. He stood up in the theater, packed, sold out, opening night, and he yells, Bullshit! You're from, you're from Scotland! And everyone in the theater exploded cheering. <laughs> Fight the power. <laughs> Until issue zero of Aquaman comes out and proves me right, we're really far off the reservation here. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I've been thinking more about the scepter, the sunk Atlantis. Yeah. And it was you or somebody else who wrote in recently, a couple issue, episodes back, who said that it really looked like uh, Ocean Master scepter. Yes, yes. And then I kind of ignored it because I was thinking, well, we saw that promotional teaser art for the uh, the Trinity War or whatever it's called. And um, we saw Mera holding the thing. Right. So it's like, ah, it's going to be Mera's. But now that we know Ocean Master's coming up, right. I, bet he, I bet he ends up with that scepter. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, it'd make, it'd make, it'd make, it would balance Aquaman and him perfectly, you yeah. know? It's, yeah, it's clearly a pretty powerful weapon. Mana hits the ground with it, and it causes an earthquake. So it's a pretty powerful right. piece of hardware. I don't know if this was in the real comic, the digital comic. By the way, I don't really like reading comics on my computer. Okay. I found out. Um... If I, had, I guess if I had like an iPad or something, it might be different. But uh, it included, and I'm curious if your print copy did. It included this uh, pencil sketch version of the cover. No, it doesn't. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's a neat uh, little bonus they throw in there. Yeah, I like that. And that last panel where Aquaman's all like crying and he's mm. bloody and he says, "Black Man, it dies now." It really seems like a panel lifted out of like a '90s comic. <laughs> Uh, a little bit. Uh, I do feel like uh, Jeff Johns boxed himself into a corner a little bit with that moment because, you know, he either A, kills Manta. Right. Which would rob uh, the character of, you know, his greatest villain. Or B, he doesn't kill Manta. And he seems kind of like, uh, you know, a, a, a lame by, pro, you know, promising Black Manta dies now and then he doesn't die now. You know, it's like, well, then Aquaman, your word doesn't mean a whole lot. So, obviously, there can be some other paths to take in between those A, between A and B there. But, you know, it's just like when a hero makes the pronouncement and then that thing doesn't happen, you're like, well, your word doesn't mean a whole lot then because you, know, you didn't do it. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, if he kills Black Mana, you know, there's always a chance somehow, I don't know, as crazy as it sounds, the villain could come back. I know, I know. Well, but then he doesn't weird. really kill him. And you still get the satisfaction of killing him, and then, oh, he, he survived so. somehow. If you I know, was a superhero, and I was someone who killed villains, I was one of those guys. Make sure they stay dead. I would chop up their body. Because <laughs> that's the way you make sure they don't come back. You, you know, you chop the head, you chop the arms, you chop the legs off, and you, you bury them all over the five corners of the universe. And you say, there, Good end of that. Lord. Well, do you want to get the so, job done, or don't you? So when the FBI calls me with questions about you... I'm going to point him to this podcast and say, Rob was always such a quiet, nice young boy. I'm just saying I don't believe in killing, but I'm saying 
if do you it, do, don't do it right. Yes, if you're going to kill bad guys, make sure they don't come back. That's all. Here's another tip: if you're going to bury them, bury them deep. Because if you watch the news, bodies are always found in a quote unquote shallow shallow grave. grave that too, yeah. So bury exactly. deep. Bury deep. I, I would give one piece of each body to several members of the Justice League and say, just take this package somewhere. Or get Superman to throw it into the sun. Just do something. He'll come back as like that, that nuclear man from Superman 4. Yeah, or okay. right, or that big gas cloud from Green Lantern movie. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh. no, the less said about that, the better. Uh, so how do you feel about an eight-part story? I, I do think this is maybe stretched a little far, and I think it's awkward that they're doing Aquaman Zero in the middle, but that's sort of a DC editorial thing. That's not their, you know, that's not their control. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He is DC editorial. Well, I know, but in, but in terms of when they wanted to do the zeros, you know, it fits at number twelve. Uh, whatever, and it doesn't bother me too much. And I, you know, um, I'm sure it's all it's all going to tie into the story. I mean, it's it's yeah, going yeah. it's going to work perfectly. Yeah, I I am enjoying this. I like the others. I like that Jeff Johns is expanding the Aquaman world. That's I think that's utterly necessary to the character. At the same time, I will look forward to the next storyline, which hopefully focuses more about Aquaman and Mira and less on the other characters, because you know. I just think I want to see Aquaman return to the forefront of his own book. I would be perfectly happy with an Others series or an Others backup strip somewhere. Like if they wanted to like make Aquaman a bigger book every month and have you know somebody else do an Others backup strip, I'd be totally okay with that. They uh, they could do some. Yeah, you know, I think the a sword and sorcery book that's coming out is that a series of eight page stories or is that one character per issue? I don't remember. I don't know. I think I think it's going to be a, an anthology similar to All Star Western. Okay, where you get multiple stories. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Uh, GI robots like that, or GI combat like combat, that too, right. which is so good. I'm loving it. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not actually bothered by Aquaman not being the star of his own book, so I feel like he still is. You know, I just feel like there's a good supporting cast. There's a strong supporting cast, which is great because you know a lot of writers try and create good supporting casts and they yeah. end up being duds. Yeah, it's, but, it's um, essential to Aquaman's success for him to be more like the big ticket heroes who have these big supporting casts. So yeah. I totally get what John's is doing here. For, for, for me, I just want shorter storylines. Like mm-hmm. I really liked, you know, we had that Mara one-shot story. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, um, I guess everything else has been part of a longer storyline. But like when John's used to do JSA, you'd get, I don't know, a four-part story and then a two-part story. You know, it's just kind of a – he still structured it in such a way that it made a great trade. Right. But he'd mix it up, you know, or you'd get a two-part story, a three-part story, and a one-part story or something. You know, and it's like I just I, – eight parts is grinding. Even though That's every a issue, story. Yeah. Even though every issue has been great, it really has, and I really like the others. I like what they've done with Black Mana. It's just – it's eight months is a long time yeah, in my life. you think about when they did the Crisis on Earth Prime that we covered in previous episodes. That was five parts. In over two – or over three months. Right. Five – but I mean, yeah, five issues and that went through three different time periods and several different – you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, back in the old days, a lot more happened in the comics. Yeah. But the, I'm perfectly fine with it and, and you know, it's, it's – it's, John's is world building and that's important. For Aquaman to become successful, so and then, you know you can take it, you can bring a lot of these characters back. It'll be neat to see. I'd love to see more of Mira and Yuara squaring off. Like that to me is funny. The, the kind the, that bit about the way they both say he's not acting the same at the same time. Like that was a great. I would have loved to heard that done in like a live action moment, just to hear those two voices say the same thing at the same time. That's a great comedy beat. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see, like you know, where the book is. This is the kind of the end of year one. Yeah. Well, it's not kind of it is. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where it is at the end of year two, like what's going on with the book. Um, hey, you know what? Speaking of end of year one, when this this is going to go live, what? This will probably go up on the 17th of September. And I'm very quickly scrolling through my stuff here. Uh, listen to Shag scroll through stuff. This is a scintillating podcasting Fill the air here, you chum. Be outrageous for a moment. Uh, yes, sir, this would be our one-year anniversary right now. Oh, my. Wow. Our first episode was posted, uh, looks like, around September 9th-ish. Huh. Well, look at that. Happy birthday. There we go. <laughs> Blood candles. Yeah, we'll have to do something special. I don't know what, but we'll have to do yeah. something. I'll don't sing the song, like... though. We'll, we'll no. get sued. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Well, Michael, anyway, Michael uh, Kohler hasn't sued us yet. 
Shh, don't give me any ideas. <laughs> like, wait a minute, they're making so much money off that podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see where they're, you know, the, 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 this has been a fantastic year. It's been probably, well, I don't want to say the greatest year for Aquaman, because that would probably be his original run on his original series, or his cartoon probably would be. Because the, the sheer volume of, of comics that were published back then, you know? Yeah. I'd love to know how many issues he cleared in the old days. Oh, they were selling hundreds of thousands back then. Right. I mean, like, um, you know, we're under, you know, like 750, 800, 900,000. And that was a low seller back then. Jeez. Well, this is certainly as far as story-wise, artistically, this is this has been the biggest Aquaman triumph probably in our lifetimes. Absolutely. I don't have any hesitation about that at all. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, Very they, exciting, my friends. They brought him back. They brought him back to prominence, and they're doing it really well. So uh, great all around, guys. Thank you. Yep. Well, anything else uh, you want to talk about before we hit the break? I don't think so. Uh, as uh, as we go into this, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to put in here on the break. So <laughs> normally I have something ready, but uh, not this time. So whatever it is, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and uh, we will catch you. you. You better enjoy it. You better enjoy it. We'll, <laughs> so we'll catch you in about 90 seconds. Ability to talk with fishes of no help, Wonder Woman. Nothing can save you now, Super Fools. <laughs> What's the Powderpuff Girls? Why do people always get that wrong? It's Powerpuff! No D! How informative. Well, there is a D in destroy, as in destroy them! Destroy them! Thanks, Powerpuff Girls. No problem. We're big fans of old school. You girls are developing into quite the superheroes. All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for Listener's Feedback! And we're going to pick up right where we left off last time. Uh, If you recall in the last episode, we played a lot of catch-up, and I don't mean cats-up, played a lot of catch-up with our feedback because we had gone for a while without any. So we covered feedback from a couple episodes last time. Now we're going to cover feedback from episode 27 which was uh, our discussion on the live-action Aquaman and Firestorm appearances. All those live-action Firestorm appearances, you know, all of those. Uh, and then uh, then issue, uh, issue whatever, uh, 28 was where we talked about Firestorm number 12. And uh, so that's what we're going to cover today. Right. So there we go. Uh, first piece of feedback was from the, on the Aquaman show. It was, of course, from Diablo Frank. Um, he has several. Call him, you call him Yahoo Frank? No, Diablo Frank. I heard Yahoo Frank. Well, whatever. One, podcast subject characters in live action. Way to totally screw Shag, Rob. Thank <laughs> 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 you. I, I have to admit that that did occur to me after I pitched the idea to Shag. I was like, oh, there's not much. But, you know, at least he had something. Uh, you know, like even a month ago, he wouldn't have had it at all. Uh, point two, I miffed. This would have been a perfect opportunity for you guys to invite me back to discuss the live action career of the Martian Manhunter. It's played by. David Ogden Stiers? Oh, right. Never mind. Thank you in advance for not bringing that up ever again. I will <laughs> not hear anything bad about David Ogden Stiers. He was Major Winchester on MASH, my favorite show. So I kind of liked him as Martian Manhunter, even though it was completely ridiculous that they cast a pudgy guy as a superhero. Did he have to shave his beard for that part? I he didn't have his beard back then. Ah, uh, there we go. More recent development. And on that note, I do want to get Frank back on the show soon. Yeah. We've been saying it for a while. We just need to... Find a reason to make it happen. Well, considering the reaction we got from the lip last time, we're having to just kind of muscle through it and do it for ourselves because I don't think a lot of other people enjoyed the show as much as oh, we did. Frank That's is true. Not, 
Frank is crying now. We, we, did, we got some negative reviews on that one. They said he took over the show, which that's what I liked about it. I liked that. I listened to that one over a bunch of times because I think it's really funny. But it's fact, Frank wasn't a guest. Frank was part of the family. I know. That's, I, why, I'm that's saying, why. I'm on board with it. I'm just saying. All right, whatever. Hey, nuclear subs. Get behind Frank on this it, it, when he's on the show again. You better like him, or we're going to come to your house and break your all your action figures. <laughs> you snap the legs right off. Uh, right. He writes AC, bro. Yeah, let's not reference Smallville at all, if all pos- if at all possible. Um, I watched the Smallville pop, but I don't recall if, if I finished it because it was so terrible. I liked Mercy Reef and definitely preferred Justin Hartley as Aquaman. I saw it on YouTube before the DVD release. Um, Adrian Pilecki also played Qua- a quasi Karazorel on Smallville. By the way, I had some thoughts on that Wonder Woman pilot. I like. I had some thoughts on that Wonder Woman pilot, and then that's it. He doesn't. He doesn't go any further. But well, didn't he? Didn't he provide? A, oh, you know, I think it didn't copy here in this. I think he provided a link to his. Oh, Wonder did he? Blog. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I don't. I don't read his blog, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Uh, and, he with, uh, <laughs> and then he ends it with Rob is nuts. Madman. I think you can just stop with that. Yes, right Madman has never had as good a season as the first. That's ridiculous, and it had a great pilot. So we're just moving on. That's ridiculous. It did have a great pilot. I've, I've only watched like the first four or five episodes of Madman, and it's, it starts out of the gate awesome. It is, but it gets even better. But anyway, All right. um, we got <laughs> we got another email from Andrew Capellish, also known as Cap L. The lack of listener feedback was unprofessional, to say the least. <laughs> the rest of the episode was highly enjoyable. I never noticed exactly how much of a surfer dude AC was until I heard this, but yeah, he totally was. Don't worry, Shag, you'll get a live-action Firestorm someday. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, uh, I'll hold my breath on that. Ryan Daly has a comment about Adrian Pilecki. I like how you pointed out the quickest way to get your pilot passed over is to cast Adrian Pilecki having appeared in the Unearned Pilots for Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Fun fact, the love of Miss Pilecki is also set to star as Lady J in the live-action G.I. Joe sequel, G.I. Joe Retaliation, a movie that was supposed to have come out this past June but is now pushed sometime to next year, maybe, while they do massive reshoots and story changes. That's at least three fanboy projects she has started in that never came to fruition. <laughs> That's really unfair. I don't know. She's she's kind of like a black mark. I don't know. It's, she she's really attractive. <laughs> well, I, okay. Uh, we also get, we also got emails from Caffeinated Joe, from uh, Little Russell Burbage, from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, and uh, we well he sent us two emails and one on episode twenty seven and then one on twenty eight where he talks about how much he was mentioned in the previous episode. So we're not going to get into that because then it becomes kind of MC Escher esque. We're listening. We're you know. We're reading feedback about a guy who sent us feedback about a previous show where he was mentioned. So. Well, I do like where he said uh, he was. Uh, he read the theme of the episode, meaning live action. He totally expected it to last about fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another show. We're doing shorter shows from now on. We're just covering little brief topics, little mini That's shows. Right. By the way, I should say, in regard to my comment about uh, Adrian Palicki, she's also a very good actress. Is so. she? Yeah, she's good. Everything okay. I've seen her in, she does a very good job. Wonder Woman, she did a great I, I totally bought her as Wonder Woman. Okay. I bought her as the siren in um, in Mercy Reef. I, it just so happens that package comes with some very easy-on-the-eye stuff. <laughs> okay. So, uh, over on Firestorm Fan, we've got comments from different folks. Um, I, on the Firestorm Fan site, I... I, I, always, I always try to do a little more than Rob because Rob, Rob doesn't love you as much as I do, listener. He, Rob just kind of throws it up there and is done with it, moves on with his day because he's got to do 43 or more posts that day. Uh, whereas I like try to put extra stuff up there. Like, for example, for the Smallville episode, I made sure to have that picture of uh, Erica Durrance with AC. and had a Mercy Reef picture and had the picture of the uh, Emily, uh, Emily uh, Rickards who's going to be an arrow. So I always try to put extra little stuff. So there's a comment on it. Corey Hodgson clearly saw the picture. He goes, mm, Erica Durrance. Oh, um, yes. I can't wait to listen to the latest podcast. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I've taken that extra effort I put on a Firestorm fan and transitioning now over to our Tumblr site also. So we'll talk more about Tumblr in just a second. Uh, Lee Novak wrote us a nice note. He said, I enjoyed today's episode of the Fire and Water Podcast starring award-winning comic writer Rob Kelly. Oh, and, and Shag, too. I also enjoyed the picture of Eric turns in a bikini a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like the break that he put. It was like, you know, one sentence and then another, the next sentence a lot. <laughs> yep. So there it is. Again, there, um, the Firestorm fan readers are getting more out of things than from uh, Fire Aquaman readers. So. Um, Keith Samra uh, talks about uh, – he, ta- he brought up the same thing about uh, G.I. Joe retaliation. So uh, – and just how – 
she's sort of the black, as you said, the black mark for a pilot. But he also mentions that she played Meteor Freak number 679 <laughs> in the third season finale. Uh, although they had us believe a she small was super... A small, a small ball, I'm sorry. Although they had us believe that she was a Supergirl at first. So, uh, good point. She's She's been in there before. Um... <laughs> A lot of people talking about uh, Erica Durrance. Yeah. Which is, ah, yeah. yes, the infamous Lois Lane bikini shot from the opening, which also featured Lana Lang, Chloe Sullivan in bathing suit. A screen capper's dream come <laughs> true. Boys, you are so in my wavelength. You're, you're really touching my heart here. Anyway, heart? Uh, per- heart? What? Heart? Nice. <clears throat> anyway, he goes on talks a little bit about Smallville. Uh, then we get to Frank. Uh, now, we're getting to Frank. Actually, this is episode 28, where we, this is the Firestorm and Feedback episode. Frank wrote back, I love, I guess that's a funny way to say love, I love the Not and Scavenge podcast concept art. I love Black Manna, but he's profoundly silly looking. Scavenger has an antiquated otherworldliness to him that, uh, that works creepiness in its way of Aquavator never could. Aquavator, that's awesome. Uh, that's totally Black Manna's new nickname. Was he ever... Um, and he asked, was he ever really in a run of Warlord? We need a theme episode. I think this is the first time I've started commenting before I've even started playing the episode. <laughs> he wishes Rob some congrats. Um, he says, sharing a villain with Firestorm is like sharing a woman with Tom Arnold. That's a <laughs> horrendous image. Because we were arguing about where Brimstone belongs, whether Brimstone belongs with Archimane Hunter or Firestorm. And I will say that the results are in of, of Frank's poll and Firestorm said does say Firestorm should keep Brimstone, not Marshall Manor. Uh, and he says, Thanks to Shag's readers for helping me vote Brimstone out of Marshall Manor's Rogue Gallery. Uh, and then, it, like you had said, he says, Commenting on listener feedback feedback feels a bit meta. Let's just say I got laughs. <laughs> just want to point out, Shag, that the whole thing with the Lerve, that's from yeah. uh, Annie Hall. Oh, okay, okay. That's what, gotcha. that's what Frank was referring to. Okay. Uh, for the uneducated. Thank you for that. Uh, Oscar Oladi? Olade. Okay. Uh, he's written in before, and we talked about him last time. He, great feedback again. Uh, love podcast. Never missed one, and still got to, um, still got some catch up. I couldn't resist and listen to the more recent ones first. Awesome guy. Awesome job, guys. Keep them coming. We got Chad Bokelman. Well, I'm all caught up now. I berated the heck out of Chad last time. So he's all caught up now, as you can ascertain from my recent Twitter post. Happy to hear everyone's doing well. Looking forward to meeting Rob at the New York Comic Con. It will be an honor. Thanks again to you all, too. And uh, Keith made a point when he was talking about Firestorm number 12. He mentioned uh, when they killed Pozar, who has been the big bad for Firestorm for the past 12 issues. He's blarg, you know, gone now. Um, he wrote, did you notice the floating yellow nuclear ball after Ronnie was separated from Scorn? I don't think we've seen the last of Pozar. Uh, I haven't gone back and checked that out. Check that out, but I'm definitely going to. So good eyes. Kiki's always sharp. Sharp eyes. So, uh, folks, thank you for the uh, shout outs on Twitter. Uh, this is just folks for the most recent episode. Uh, please do remember to use the hashtag #poundfwpodcast. You guys are doing a great job with that. Got two shout outs from Firestorm creators, which meant a lot to me. Got a shout um, a retweet from Hi Fi Color and from Yield Race and R. Woohoo! Uh, that was great. Also, thanks go out to Corey Hodgden at High Rock, Luke Giaconetti at El Jacone, Keith Samra at Kellel Samra, Lee Novak at Lee Novak 16, Luke Dobb at Dobb Creative, Keith G. Baker at KGBUNC, Andy Capellish, who I, looks like he's changed his Twitter handle. It's now just Capel. He's, like he's constantly a, changing. He has like 17 different identities on Twitter I, and I, Facebook and stuff. I, think, I don't think he actually changes his account. I think he just changes his tag. So. Oh, okay. Apparently he's a Kryptonian right now. So, uh, Clint Buckler, who's the Clintro, who uh, last time we said he had started on the back episodes, and I said I never heard from him again. Um, we were afraid he got lost to the <laughs> insanity. He did contact me back and say, no, he's still alive and kicking. So. Uh, it's good they allow, that, uh, they allow people to make phone calls out of the insane asylum. Right, out of Arkham, right. SRJ Vaughn, uh, Retcon. Great name. I still love that. Claymation Howl, The Lantern Cast, which is simply Lantern Cast, and Bradley Lever, which is B Lever 03. Now, Facebook, uh, you guys have been very supportive over on Facebook. We really appreciate it. This is, these are the names of the folks for the last several episodes over on Facebook. Um, one of the people specifically I want to mention was Daniel HDR, who helped draw Firestorm number 12. I didn't realize how much, you know, I, I, you guys may recall, you know, Yildare Snar and Marlo Aquiza 
we were talking about them quite a bit, and I said they got some help from two other people. It was Daniel HDR and uh, another gentleman. I want to say his name, last name was Wong. I can't remember. But I, we didn't really know how much they had drawn, so we didn't really pay them much attention. Well, I, 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 we were remiss in knowing just how much he worked on the comic. He actually drew pages 11 through 20 of Fear of Firestorm number 12. So that's half the book he drew. Yeah. So, in fact, that double-page spread I kept drooling over, which was the end of the Firestorm Protocols, where Jason and Ronnie are ripped out of the Matrix, um, was drawn by him. So, awesome. So, quick thanks to Oscar Olade. Uh, did I say it right or not? Yes. Okay. Christopher Warden, Russell Burbage, Kevin Culp, John R. Opal, Rol Cotto, Lee Novak, Manjit Danjal, Carlos Guimarez de Alameda, Wagner Oliveira, Thomas Oswald, Giancarlo Nurco, and Joe Mello. So those, thank you so much, folks, for all that. Christopher Warden was kind. He, he gave a list of his favorite podcasts. And um, it was pretty war- you know, heartwarming to be part of this group. Two True Freaks, From Crisis to Crisis, Hey Kids Comics, All Yeah Podcast, The Fantastic Cast, Fire and Water Podcast, and Word Balloons. So that's, uh, that's a pretty prestigious yeah, company we're nice. keeping there. Um, we got uh, three, a couple of comments from Oscar Olade on Facebook. So I wanted to mention, he says, I love the podcast. Always ready for the next. Love the podcast. It ever fails to turn my frown into a smile. That's very nice. I feel like that should be our tagline. And then he ends it with, uh, I was going through FNW podcast withdrawals. Last one barely eased the shakes. <laughs> so I guess uh, we should keep him and uh, Joe Slab apart. Yikes. So I guess it's not really the DTs. It's more like the FNWs. Yeah, or, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, over on Google+, Plus, I uh, very kindly um, berated all of you last time. I kindly everyone, berated. You like that? Because everyone just kind of dropped off the Google Plus radar, and I was like, oh, gosh, Rob's just going to mm. eat this alive. And mm. y'all came out fantastically this last time. Just uh, <clears throat> I'm only going to mention the ones that, you know, plus one and said had comments on the, the Fire and Water post. But you guys went nuts and went after a bunch of other Firestorm fan posts, so thank you very much. Randy Caldwell wins the award, I think, for plus winning every single post I've ever done on G+. <laughs> now, There was two in particular he didn't. One was about an Ewok, and he doesn't like Ewoks. So <laughs> it was very purposeful that he didn't. It was a way to take a stand in life. <clears throat> right, exactly. So thank you to Dan Janes, Kevin Culp, Randy Caldwell, Zach Dorman, Luke Giaconetti, Oscar Olade. The guy's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Andy Capellish, he's everywhere too. And Manja Dangel. So thank you guys. You guys are fantastic. Yeah, and uh, we're also getting some love over on the the new Tumblr feed that we set up. We have a bunch of followers. It's kind of a lot of the same guys: Mister Perturb, Daniel HDR, the Aqua Cave, K K. It's K Kincaid three. Um, you, it's, it's it's hard to it's hard to say because it's like K K Kincaid. You don't want three Ks in there. <laughs> Charlemagne RMC, Hierarch, Lynn Schmidt, Dark Knight JRK, Wings Tune twelve ninety five, which is Joe Mello, and Newspaper Comics. I have to fess up. Newspaper Comics is me, so I'm following my own Tumblr. <laughs> He's sick. Um, did, by the way, did I mention Charlemagne that I almost met him <laughs> at Dragon Con? How would he almost met him? Was he? Was, yeah, was it's he Roy the Cleary. guy, the mermaid dancing at the club. No, it's it's Roy Cleary, uh, Charlemagne from the FKA podcast. Uh, yeah, I mentioned that's right. We had a very nice time, almost meeting. So uh, kept missing each other. So all right, on to the emails. All right, got a nice one from Luke Dobb. Says, Rob and Shannon, congratulations, guys. I think you very nearly achieved podcast perfection this time around. Uh, This is talking about episode 27, the one where we did the uh, live-action coverage. I would go so far to say that you actually achieved perfection, but I want to leave you with something to strive for. (laughs) Rob, congratulations on all your success with Ace Kilroy. You are really rocking it. It's a great series. Keep up the excellent work. Peoples of the the podcast, go check it out. AceKilroy.com. That's AceKilroy.com. I thought you'd enjoy reading that on the air. I did. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I liked hearing it. AC was such an embarrassing portrayal of Aquamar, Aquaman, it was hard to stomach. As a fan of Aquaman, I consistently felt myself torn between gratitude and humiliation. It was so satisfying seeing my favorite hero on screen, yet mortifying hearing, hearing him refer to as AC and watching him call everyone, bro, <laughs> ugh. Nicknaming Aquaman AC was the DC equivalent of calling Anakin Skywalker Annie. See, more episode one garbage. See, see, see. Anyway, uh, that that wasn't in the letter. But Uh, Excuse me while I place this paper bag over my head. Nevertheless, there I was recording each Aquaman episode to get this on my VCR. (laughs) And then he has like a little dialogue. He says, child, daddy, what's a VCR? And daddy says, 
Well, son, it's a kind of cassette tape people used to record their shows on before they had phones. Child, Daddy, what's a cassette tape? Anyway, I'm glad we can all agree that it was disconcerting to watch Aqua Bonnie and Aqua Clyde get off on blowing things up. Also, I have to agree with Rob about the JLA movie. Please, DC, cease and desist before it's too late. Until DC can figure out this movie thing with a little more consistency, no movie is better than a bad movie. Lovingly yours, Luke. Yeah, I agree with that. And and it, I think it only bears bears out in that like every week there's a new story about a new director supposedly attached to yeah. the JLA movie. And it's they're just throwing names at a wall. I mean, it was like the Wachowski... The, the Wachowski uh, they're not brothers anymore. The Wachowski siblings, I guess you need to call them. Um, what? That was just funny. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I think, really, you can't call them the Wachowski brothers anymore. But they, they were there one week, and then last week it was, and I'm, visu- uh, you can't see it, but I'm shuddering at the thought of this Brent Ratner on the JLA movie. So it's like, DC does, no, Warner Bros. has no idea what it's doing with that movie, and they are just desperate to get some press for it. So they're just Ooh. mentioning everybody. What it smacks of is like when when somebody's scrambling not to lose the license on a character, yep. like when Sony is trying to not lose the license on Spider Man yep. or you know, some, you know, they 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 have to have a movie in development in order not to lose the license, right? Which well, is weird because they're not going to lose the license, right? DC doesn't have that; yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they own it. So anyway, all right, yeah. next letter. Uh, James Gwerton, a comment on Aquaman's color cho- color choices of clothes from the Smallville episode Aqua. They state that he is in the university. He is on the University of Miami swim team, and that the school's colors are orange and green. See how it all kind of ties together. <laughs> Thank you, James. I, I would like to point out that James is now um, my least favorite nuclear sub ever, because he's made me realize um, a lifelong revelation that I never had was that Aquaman is wearing the colors of University of Miami. Um, many of you know I live in Florida. What you probably don't know is I live in the heart. Of Florida State University, uh, I live in Tallahassee, which oh. is FSU. You know, the Gators, Florida Gators, are our rivals. We just hate Miami. It's like you know, there's rivals, and then there's people you just hate. We, we hate my University of Miami Hurricanes. It's just this. It, it both it goes both ways. They hate us too. It's just this bitter disgust for each other. And now I will never be able to look at Aquaman's costume again without thinking of University of Miami. So, James, you have earned my eternal ire. So, um, there you have it. That's not fun. It's not fun to get, James. Trust me. <laughs> uh, got a letter from our buddy Keith Samra. Um, or much more like of a, a, a dissertation is what he's written here. Um, it's great, though. Don't get me wrong. So I'm going to read bits and pieces of it. I'm going to go through it pretty quick. I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing. Uh, it's a great letter. So here we go. Hey, esteemed team, just finished up the latest episode of the most prestigious podcast featuring the award-winning Rob and the ever, VV ever irredeemable one known as Shag. Uh, now that I've got that out of the way, onto the business. Awesome episode in regards to live action, or sadly the lack thereof, of Aquaman and Firestorm. Now, what prompted me to write today was the problem Shag expressed over the, uh, the new upcoming Justice League movie from Warner Brothers. That, of course, is the near and the near jerk reaction to the amazing success the Avengers seem to have had. I myself have pondered long and hard about this subject, and I thought I'd share my own views and conclusions with you guys. Number one, how do you have both Superman and Batman in this film without any connection to Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy or Snyder's Man of Steel? Here's Keith's answer. The answer's simple. The multiverse. DC has always had a multiverse, and to do that in a film that has different versions of its two flagship characters than that of the already existing franchise, the multiverse is the best way to approach it. A simple voiceover explanation during the opening of the film can give the audience the explanation they need as to why Superman and Batman are not the same versions as Bale and Cavill portray in the film in the movies. Here's a very amateur attempt to me uh, as an example. The universe is made up of a multiverse. Different versions of the same person exist on an infinite number of Earths. Also, they could uh, show maybe rough images of different actors that have portrayed both Superman and Batman over the years. Christopher Reeve, Michael Keaton, George Reeves, Adam West, Dean Cain, who I saw this past week. Val Kilmer uh, could also, that was me, not Keith, could also be used as a plot device in sequels. The Injustice Gang of Earth 2, anyone? Now, quick commentary from Shag. That is a very um, clever way to approach it, Keith. Um, the neat thing about opinion, and, and, and I, I, I appreciate you sharing your opinion. The neat thing about opinions is everyone has their own, and People can be wrong. Yours is. Um, so having having different Cavill and Bale, Batmans and Rob, you know, Supermans in the movies, a horrible idea. But I like the way you approached it, though. So I think it's a great idea. It will never happen, but I think it's a great idea. I, I, I'd say his – That's. I'm sorry. That's what I'm trying to say is that his, his way to handle it's a great idea, but having 
a Batman or a Superman that's separate from the existing movie kind of is a terrible idea. I still stand by that. So, And the beauty is, you know, Keith can't argue back right now. So that's always nice. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, uh, how do you catch up to the audience on the world in which this Justice League exists? He said, the same way Peter Jackson did in The Fellowship of the Ring. Do a history of the DC Universe by Perez and Wolfman after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, or crisis on Infinite Earths timeline. What's that? Slow down. I know. I'm trying to go through quickly. Um, so basically doing like a history of the universe like they did with Crisis, uh, like a pro- prologue. This can be an easy way to explain the origins of the seven JLA members as well as establish a timeline of what's happened when. And also if they go back far enough, they could potentially set up other possible franchises such as Justice Society, Black Hawks, Challengers of the Unknown. And then to, to make sure – This is where the brilliant part comes in. This is the part where he made sure his letter got read. He said, or Blue Devil, Dr. Fade, Ambush Bug, Slipknot. Now, <laughs> actually slipped all those in. Is, is Keith suggesting that the challenges of the unknown should be those four guys, or is he adding those characters as part of the list? Because I like both those ideas. Uh, 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 uh. Those would be the greatest challenges of the unknown ever. I love the original concept of the challenges of the unknown, but if they did a challenge of the unknown book and it was those four, those four characters, that would be pure brilliance. I actually had the uh, Challenges of the Unknown showcase in my hand. I like, almost bought it this weekend. I wish I had. Anyway, uh, you could do it all with a simple prologue. The prologue could also be incorporated and expanded upon into what would sure to be spin-off movies like Flash and Wonder Woman. Um, he goes on to say, like, who'd be best suited to do members of the Justice League? Justice, who would, who would do it best? Uh, you know, he talked about Joss Whedon does the Marvel ones. He suggested J.J. Abrams. Um, he also <laughs> suggested no David Goyer. <laughs> Uh, which is probably for the best. Uh, he wrote, sorry if I came off as pretentious. I'm in no way a writer or a Hollywood executive. I just want DC to succeed with this Justice League movie because they will one day see it as a possible Aquaman trilogy and maybe even a Firestorm movie. Um, by the way, Keith, uh, all, all kidding aside, I hope you didn't mind me uh, ribbing you a bit much there. No, I, I, great ideas, and we really appreciate all the thought you put into it and sending the email, and I'm glad we had a chance to share most of it. So, He also sent us some information on the... Um, I hadn't heard about this. Apparently, just news broke recently about Phil Jimenez had put together a pitch for a Justice League Transformers crossover, uh, and it had Aquaman in it. Rob, have you taken a look at it? I did. I I, I just don't care about the Transformers at what? all. I never have. So what? I just couldn't. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't like the Transformers when they were popular. I didn't like them when they were unpopular, and I don't like them now that they're popular again. I feel the same way about uh, uh, Bon Jovi. Uh, so it just you live in New you wait. Do you live in, do you live in New Jersey? I know. I like that you couldn't figure that out in the last show. You couldn't figure out where I lived. Yes, I live in New Jersey. Okay, you live in New Jersey, and you speak ill of Bon Jovi. I mean, does I Bon like Bruce top, I, circling your house right I, now. Shut up. I like Bruce Springsteen. I like Frank Sinatra. That's enough. I don't need to like that hair band. Thank you very much. Okay. You don't like the Transformers. I am don't care. More than meets the eye. It's not that I don't like them. I guess I shouldn't have said. I just don't care. Like I just never was interested in them for one. Even when I was a kid, I was like, bunch of robots. No, thank you. And that was the end of it. And you know, it's great that people are into them. I just completely indifferent. So the idea of my favorite heroes interacting with a bunch of boxes just does nothing for me. I like that shot. The shot's got Aquaman. He's like swinging a Decepticon head at some, like a, just yeah. a, a decapitated Decepticon head. I mean, at that, I could get behind awesome. that. I could get behind that. But, but yeah, the, the idea of that, that that being a crossover just didn't do anything for me. Uh, well, see, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I loved the Transformers growing up. Um, didn't really have many of the toys, but just totally loved the uh, the cartoon and read a lot of the comics. And then. Um, you know, during the dead during the dead years, I was still kind of a fan. I was reading like the Dreamwave books and stuff like that, and then the movie came along and just stunk all that up. Um, but you know, there were there were some redeeming qualities. I mean, there's a scene or two where you just you feel kind of a jump in your chest. You're like, oh, that was almost like the Transformers I love for a second there. Anyway, um, so I the idea of Justice League Transformers, as ridiculous as it is, I think would have been fun. So just seeing Superman and Optimus, you know, just go and kick some butt. And, and and Megatron and I guess I don't know what Dark Side or something teaming up. It just would have been fun. So with that, uh, folks, we are gonna wrap up this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. Uh Rob, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Aquamanshrine.com, which is on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus, technically. Um, oh, oh, I like how you, Rob did a post, by the way, folks, on Google Plus. I did. Month. 
He wrote, I literally the post is something like, I am posting here just to piss off Shag. So, for the record, that still doesn't count as you being active on Google Plus. Because you, uh, you probably haven't even seen whether the plus ones or shares or comments you've gotten on that. I have. I'm, but anyway. Uh, you can also find me on, um, at acekillroy.com and we should mention that the, uh, the, uh, Ace Killroy Treasury Edition is now available. So you can go on our uh, Ace Killroy Etsy store and buy a copy. You can actually get the print edition of the, uh, first story arc. Yes. Very excited about that. Awesome. Um, you can find Firestorm Fan at firestormfan.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter. Google Plus, and there's also now a Firestorm Fan Tumblr, so that's new as well. So we have uh, the Fire and Water Tumblr, and we have the face Firestorm Fan Tumblr. What's the Fire and Water Tumblr, Rob? Fire, wa- fire and Water Podcast.tumblr.com. There we go, folks. Check it out. Give us some, I guess they call it reblog, <laughs> and some, some hearts. Yes. Um, uh, we're going to, anyway, we're going to, when you see it, hopefully it'll be look a little different, because right now it's kind of hard to navigate on certain things but i'm going to work on that for you folks and then um and what's the email address from firewater podcast at comcast.net there you have it folks uh, all right before we yes. end i have i'm sorry one note uh, i just wanted to read this was handed to me while we were recording uh <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah uh, d- uh darling tracy wrote this using the notepad we got in the uh, swag bag at the uh, geek awards she wrote, editor's note, just a thought. A bunch of robots? I don't know. Like, they're not real? Everyone knows Aquaman is real. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tell her, thank you. Thank you very the much. love and support I deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> well, folks, uh, until next time, hopefully I will have um, recharged my geek batteries by then. So, sorry if I'm a little off this week. <laughs> I'm still just... I'll have to go take another vacation. No, I'm just excited. I do need a vacation for my vacation. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All righty. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in. Even torch their hair and stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Ketchup. 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 Ketchup.